which is a very weird niche uh, to have. But I know there are here. some others out there that are into it, so mm -hmm. it's it's a real thing. Who's making that noise? It's me. Yes, that is noise? the beginning of the show. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's making that noise? This is The Function Call, uh, a fun show about web development where we talk and have fun. I, sometimes I feel like both, sometimes that neither. intro deserves clown music. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Wait, Yakety, Yakety Smacks or like the circus music this is the like function call and circus music like the do, 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 exactly. or or like the you know what i'm talking about i like that oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect we got that right exactly yeah um moving on from that terrible intro uh what's up guys AJ, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. I know. Uh, which I've is been... my way of introducing AJ. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing, man? It's good. You've been, been busy. In and outside of boxes for the last yeah. very long time. Um, are we talking like Kubernetes containers? Ooh, I that would have like been the, much it's like the It's like the meat space version of Kubernetes. <laughs> meat space. Oh, yeah. ne never, yeah, meet space. never meet space. No, you don't uh, like that term. I like that term. No, it's a good term. <laughs> it feels it feels gross. Meat space. Yeah, well, That's the meat space that is like meat cute. That's why we're all going to virtualize our souls and identities into the metaverse and leave meat space forever. Leave meat space. We're all going to be, we're all going to be AIs. Good, because meat space kind of grosses me out. Yes. Get me out of this <laughs> meat space. <laughs> yeah, we should we should come up with another term for it that's more like vegan friendly. AJ, what you got? Yeah. Um. Uh. Matter space. Putting you on the spot on this one. Yeah. Matter space. Cool. I like it. So we're all just mad. Um, it's not going to be leaf space. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that is um, that's a that's a really nice introduction to what we're going to be talking about today. It's a beautiful segue. Oh yeah, we also have Grant. I forgot to introduce you. Sorry, we got distracted. What, what's happening, everybody? No, uh, no gliding into the DM's uh, name pun. Now I'm sad that I'm like not getting those. No, nah, not today. Not, not today. To we it. had the meat. We had the meat space stuff. <laughs> got a meat space. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the space where we meet you know oh. um all right so today we are going to be talking about um making http requests uh so in web development i guess we're going to be talking mostly i don't know mostly front end stuff maybe some back end stuff topics um you know and just introductions, high-level overview, and then getting into some nitty-gritties about it and things to consider. Sound good? Let's do it. Let's, 
Let's dive in, as they say Let's in meat space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really don't want it. I don't want this episode to run too long, and I feel like we have some stuff. So if I sound a little bit rushy, yeah, Do we're it. doing it. What are we talking um, about? Today? So yeah, first <laughs> we're talking about. Uh, I just, I literally just said that we're wasting more time <laughs> now because. You're making me say it again. <laughs> You're so bad. You're so That's all right. <laughs> hey, you know what? The technical difficulties might have me off my game today, but that's all right. It's okay. That's all right. That just comes um, with the space. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not like we have some off. like fast topic to to cover like hypertext transfer protocol or anything yeah yeah well yeah first thing i want to say is that we get into is just like the protocol layer of making http requests right so what is http i just said it do you want me to repeat myself i want you to go into more detail Oh, it's a it's a it's a way of communicating over the internet. It's the way that computers talk to each other. It's 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 it's, it's a protocol for transferring text through a hyper medium. <laughs> I like That's that better. Right. Cool. But what does that but like what does that mean? What does that mean for like uh like the layman's right? Like why what's the point of doing an introduction if we're just going to be like throwing around uh. What is the term? Jabber? Jargon. Jabber walkies. Jargon. Exactly. Throw all the jargon walkies. <laughs> Quit talking. <laughs> so um, when you're when you're building like a like a, a, a an application, we'll we'll call it an application, right? But when you're building some web thing, uh, in, in, eventually you're going to need that web thing to get something from somewhere else on the internet. And the way that you do that is through requests. And these requests happen over some specific channels, the main one being HTTP. Um, now, Beautiful. I'm bundling HTTPS, HTTP2, uh, regular HTTP all into one thing because we're not going to get into all of those specifics yet. But uh, the, y you want to reach out and touch another place on the internet, that's how you do it. <laughs> Right, right. So this it's basically a way that two computers talk to each other over the internet, right? That's the protocol, the language they use, the language of love for computers. In a hyper medium. To connect. Yeah. Uh, cool. So um, with that in mind, uh, in the web, we have a couple of things, a couple of tools built in, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of which is XHR. Okay. This is the thing that nobody should ever. So, like, if you're all right, if if you're listening to <laughs> the show and you're speaking, like, "What was, are they even talking about?" This was some hot about? shit, man. Oh, uh, it's this was the cool no stuff. Idea. Okay, yeah, this. Is, <laughs> I'm gonna make an XML HTTP request, and uh, no, don't do it. So, there's Fetch now. Fetch is built into all browsers that matter. Uh, Fetch makes it relatively simple and straightforward to make a request. Um, I, you it, know, actually, XHR has some benefits over Fetch that we'll get into. Yeah, these are these are benefits that somebody who is confused by our intro would never care about. Well, won't care about for quite some time. I don't want to say they'll never care about it. They will grow as a developer and learn, and then they're going to be like, "Oh man, like how do I 
cancel this request or whatever, um, which I think is kind of what you're alluding to, but whatever. Fetch, use <laughs> Fetch. Fetch is dope. And this is this is only in the browser. And that's right. That's the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grant just just jumped over everything else. Just use. No, fetch. that's not true. Um, yeah, yeah. So basically, basically in the browser, we have two two options. We have uh, XHR or XML HTTP request, which is a really funny um, API because they're basically completely inconsistent in their naming convention. In fact, I need I need to look it up. Do I need to look it up? No, no, no. So uh, most web APIs follow some naming convention of like for upper how they how they did do their uppercase and lowercase letters. An XML HTTP request is just all over the board because they capitalize XML, which, and then, and then they capitalize the H in HTTP and then the R in request. Never noticed that before. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really I believe frustrating. This pattern is known as bullshit casing. <laughs> Making it up as we go, casing. Pretty much. <laughs> Forgot caps lock was on Casey. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, so uh, XML HTTP request had its heyday, and I feel like it was like it was like pretty hot back in the day to do what at the time was called AJAX requests. Um, but I don't think I don't think the term AJAX request is really used much anymore. But it kind of means the same thing, right? It's it's still plastered all over many many resumes. Yes. And it should be it, so and if all, this is on your resume and you are applying for a modern job in the year 2021 plus remove Ajax from your resume. I don't think so, man. I got 100%. love for Ajax. I got love for Ajax. Right. And when we get into the libraries, we're going to be talking about jQuery too. Have fun. I'm just going to like <laughs> yeah. nope out. I'm going to drop. <laughs> all right, have fun on the rest of the show where you're talking about jQuery and Ajax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So, so like the big problem with XML or XHR, right, is that it is the the syntax around creating an XHR request was such a pain. I don't even remember, but you had to like basically define it, and then you had to open it, and then or like define your callback functions for when it's successful or when it had a failure, and then you had to like actually instantiate the request and it was just very unintuitive but it was a game changer because it did things asynchronously and that gave us gmail yeah 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 i mean without without xhr we wouldn't be here today so yeah um but uh somewhere along the line came promises which uh i think was a uh, an old con it was a concept before like jo like javascript didn't invent promises right but when javascript introduced promises to the language uh and kind of at the same time the language authors decided that we need a much better approach for making these asynchronous http requests um along came fetch which is a built-in API to well it's not Java it's not a JavaScript API right technically it's a DOM 
API. So it's it's a feature of the browser. It's not a feature of the language. Yes, correct. Yes. Right. So it's, it's, uh, a, it's a browser API that is compliant with what WG specs. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why that's important is because if you have a JavaScript runtime in the browser, which really every browser has, um, the browser makes fetch available to JavaScript. But if you're running JavaScript in outside of the browser, like in Node, uh, fetch is not natively available. So you kind of have to know what environment you're in when you're making the HTTP request using fetch. Cool. Anything we want to add there? Use fetch. Use fetch. Yeah, cool. that's good. All right, cool. So now that we've kind of gone through the what is it, hopefully that was clear enough and people don't have too many questions, but that saves us some time to cover some of the more interesting things. So when you are fetching data, you can either request data to like read or you can send data to, let's say you want to add a new entry to a database. That's generally uses, those generally use the HTTP verbs that are, you know, you can look it up, but off the top of my head, there's get, post, put, patch, options, delete. Yes. I think it's one. Uh, and then there's, I think there's like eight or nine or maybe 10. I got up to six. No, that's a status code. There's hello. I don't think so. Is there a who dis? Uh, maybe in the next, uh, <laughs> in the next version of the web, web three. I was, I was very entertained by that one. I don't know why. <laughs> new, new browser, who dis? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so wait, wait, so. All right, all of these things sound really useful. Uh, put, delete, they're very clear. Post, get, right? Uh, 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 mm -hmm. What is options? Options, okay. So yeah, I guess, you know, bring it back a minute. Um, when I say there's HTTP verbs, these are like parts of an HTTP request that tell the receiving end what kind of request it is. So if I want to do a get request, I'm just like, I just want to read information, I'll do a get request. If I want to send information to some service, I'll do a post request or a put request or a patch request. Um, and there's a few that can carry data as well. Uh, <laughs> what was your question? <laughs> what is options? Options, right. So this on is your request- this you're your... probably going to use. Right, on your options request, um, or sorry, on your HTTP request, in the headers, you say what kind of request it is. Uh, anytime that you make a post request, the browser under the hood, without you having to do anything, is going to send a second request before your post request. And so it's, it's going it's to say, going to, it's, it's... It's gonna, the way you phrase that's a little confusing. It's gonna preemptively <laughs> yeah. send an, an initial request before sending your post request. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. I'll speak. I'll speak Austinese, and you just translate it to layman's. Just, yeah, I'm here to. Speak. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, so the options request goes out before your post request. It checks with the server, hey, am I allowed to make this request, basically? And then the server responds if it's allowed. Um, it just responds some sort of thumbs up emoji. And then uh, the browser's like, cool, cool, cool. That's what I, yeah, thumbs up back to you. Here's the other request. And then it sends your request. So this is, this is why you should use fetch, because it behaves very, very consistently. And this is why uh, I stopped using uh, certain libraries, one of those being Axios, uh, that are not what WG compliant. What WG compliance, their spec dictates that the options call need to be made in certain scenarios. So this, this is something to, to consider when you're, when you're like looking at libraries. If you're working in browsers, just always use fetch. It's, it's, it's the right thing to do. Um, but right, so this, this options call is really important. Some backends will reject certain requests if the options call isn't made. And that rejection happens in a very weird way that makes it kind of difficult to figure out like what is actually happening. Um, so yes. it can create, you know, like a, a, a nightmare for you. For debugging, for sure. A hundred percent. So, okay. Okay, so everyone clear on like making HTTP requests from the browser? Yep, you use fetch. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you say it one more time for the people in the back? Oh, we'll get there. Uh, Someone needs to get a counter going. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, there is some differences, as we discussed, between XHR and Fetch, um, which is why some library authors or some developers have created libraries to make using these easier or add features or whatever. Um, some of the differences are not just like uh, syntactic or convention. Some of them actually are functional differences with like capabilities. And so some of the capabilities that you might want to consider when you make requests or as you're starting to design your front ends around making requests and receiving, uh, getting data, uh, you're probably going to need some more sophisticated features such as caching, um, checking on the status of a download, like if you have a, or an upload, if you have a long running upload, uh, being able to cancel a request, being able to retry a request if it runs into an error, um, error handling. So when your request errors, like do you have a, a standardized solution for that? Um, and then... So GraphQL, like with error handling, does some wild stuff. There's this, <laughs> there's this like long-standing convention that you just always return a 200. That is the worst. It, it just like, fun. but okay. So 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 here's the the reasoning around this is that you you return a 200 with uh, empty data, but you give a very detailed error object, right, or a, an array of error objects. Um, so you you're, you're aware in the context of GraphQL. But the, the, any request wrapper that you're using that's unaware of that will be like, yeah, this is a successful request. Like, have fun with it. Um, but yeah, I just I thought that was very funny. You get, you get oh, 200 uh, status codes on everything. So, so, so some servers uh, will, will follow that convention. It's convention. That's not the spec. Um, so that's that's not necessarily built into GraphQL, but it is 
something that I see pretty often. Uh, people seem to like it. I would want a 500 if something actually goes wrong. I want a 500. Is everything a 200, even like 400s? Yeah, like wow. invalid. Yeah. And then, and then you get the details of the error back in the error object or the array of error objects. So, yeah, that was always frustrating for me when I first got into GraphQL, but we were supposed to save GraphQL for the end, but hey, we're here. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm not capable of linear thinking right now. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so yeah, looking back at um, some, some of these concepts that we talked about, right? Like AJ, were there any of these features that you wanted to get into? No. No. <laughs> cool. You don't want to tell us about how, how to do all of the caching, download, status, checking? No. Um, caching is right pretty cool. What is caching? What's so, it do? Caching is where you save up all your money, and then you don't have to do anything. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, caching is where you save the request so that you don't have to do it again. So let's say you have some kind of request for a lot of data. It's really expensive for your backend, um, and that data is not going to change. Like let's say it's some like user information, and instead of hitting that again and again and again on tons of pages of your app, you hit it once and then that's stored. So you should put in some kind of blocker in the middle that says, you don't need to be all expensive again. Just ka-ching. <laughs> right. So caching, caching is kind of an interesting uh, topic because it can actually happen at di several different layers, right? You can do it uh, if you are a backend developer and you have, you're writing like a very expensive database query. Um, you can have like a, an in-memory cache that says, cool, if anyone ever runs the, like this exact query for these, whatever, different parameters, um, the first time we want to run that query, we go to the database, we get the information back. And before we send that back to an API response or whatever, let's like store uh, that data with some, in some sort of like map where we can say, you know, store it at this key. And then the next time uh, we want to make that same request, we can say, hey, cache, like cache thing, whatever, uh, does this data exist? If so, let's just grab that out of the cache, out of memory, really quick and easy, and send that instead, right? So that's like backend level caching. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a database, could be like reading from a file or from a third party service or whatever. But it's this idea of like some expensive operation um, being stored so that you can quickly access it later. And you could and then, actually mean literally an expensive operation. So requests, um, when you're using like a backend as a service, those cost money. Like you get a you get a certain number of those, uh, and if your traffic volume spikes all of a sudden, uh, and you don't have a caching layer in front of that, you're you know just going to pay paying for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that could happen, you know, obviously that has nothing to do with HTTP requests. That's still on the backend layer. And then they are uh, all HTTP yeah. requests. It has everything. It's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. But sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. No, you're right. You're right. Because if we're talking third-party services, that could be an HTTP request from the backend. 
not from mm -hmm. the front end. So fair enough. Um, so then you could also cache, like there's browser level caches, right? Where if you go to a website and it has to download a bunch of CSS and JavaScript files to load the page, um, the next time you reload that page, uh, the browser stores, like the first time it goes and gets that, downloads that CSS and JavaScript, and then it kind of has a natural built-in cache that will keep um, a reference to those files or keep a version of those files locally on your computer. So then the next time you go to the same page uh, or the next time that CSS file or JavaScript file is requested, um, the browser will just do a lookup. And this is orders of magnitude faster because it's just pulling from, it doesn't have to go over the network to get that information. Would you say it's infinitely faster? No. Just orders of magnitude? Well, I tested it the other day and it's gonna depend on your internet speed um, and your computer speed. And it was, oh. it was like you a single order. <laughs> it was a signal, a single order of magnitude faster. So about like 10 times faster. I want it to be infinitely faster. <laughs> no, that's 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 impossible. If the certain nope, it is. I've got a scenario where it is it will be infinitely faster. If it, you yeah, have if you're requesting, if, if it's a situation that was made up in Grant's head <laughs> and running in Grant's imagination, no, you then, you know yeah. the scenario, you know it, right? What's what the scenario it? where it's infinitely faster? Oh, uh, if it never responds in the first place? No. Well, no. no, I don't know. The initial request has to has to respond. So you get that okay. cache value. And then the <laughs> server explodes and there's no backup. Okay, so the cached version is infinitely faster infinitely than faster. the other version which has disappeared and blown off <laughs> will never exist again. Yes. There are scenarios where like internet sleuths who are trying to recover like lots and lots of lost data will use that as an approach, like going to find uh, caches, not necessarily like on individual users' computers, but like CDNs and, and they're just like busting that. down people's like random people's doors and seeing if there's a. Let cache. me look at your cache. <laughs> <laughs> Can I look at your browsing history? Uh, yeah. Pretty much. What's under the mattress? Yeah. Okay, we're way off topic what about libraries what if i don't <laughs> want to use fetch what if i want to make wait, a mistake wait. and not use fetch yeah 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 we'll get to that we'll get to that okay, uh no, we we'll... still got some cool stuff so okay so right we'll we'll skip over caching just the last the last level of caching because we will cover it later in some of the libraries is a browser side so a like a front end side in memory cache right so instead of relying on the browser's native cache that's file store on the computer somewhere you're just saying, running your application and saying, hey, let me store this global object and make a bunch of keys on it. And the values of those keys is uh, some, some, stored, some stored value, right? Um, so some of these, as we get into some of the libraries, some of them have built-in caches or caches available where you can, it kind of handles all of that complicated logic. So if you go and make an HTTP request, and then you try and make that same request again, it'll come back immediately because it's not actually going over the network to make that request. Which can be very confusing if it's unclear in the documentation that it's gonna do that. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's where you get into the difficult part is invalidation. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. So some other features are like, uh, I'm just looking at things that like XHR can do that fetch cannot. Um, canceling a request was something that uh, XHR or fetch could not do. So if you wanted to send some really expensive tasks or you know request, and maybe it's like a download that has to take a long time. Um, maybe it's like streaming a CSV response from a database. You might want to cancel that to save your uh, to save yourself some money, right? Um, and you can do that today with uh, our sponsor, a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, an, an abort signal, yeah. which we can link to in the docs. Oh, so. Yeah. That's one thing that XHR used to have over fetch, not anymore. That's cool. The, uh, like, so I've I've used that, and the boilerplate around it makes it so ugly. The abort signal thing. Yeah, like oh, because yeah. like you have to instantiate it and then check and then and so I don't know. I, yeah, this like, is... it's very useful. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's kind of ugly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's another uh, pro for using some library that kind of wraps around it and makes it easier. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, what else? Uh, like jQuery. Yeah, like jQuery, exactly. Can you, uh, re can you listen on the abort signal for in the, in the jQuery? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Like jQuery team is still like keeping stuff up to date. I know they, say they switched to promises, so... Oh, that's wild. It's not dead. It's not dead. Are they are they native promises or are they like pulling a bluebird? I don't know. Sorry, that's rude. Um okay, so what about retries? Like how do you implement retries, anyone? What? What is a retry? What? <laughs> nice. Well done. Nice. Also very proud of myself there. <laughs> That's a retry in, in a nutshell. <laughs> For some reason, usually an error, uh, the request gets sent out again in the exact same way. Yeah, so basically without without you having to like do anything, I, I say, again, usually a library, or I think XHR has this built in, um, but I say, hey, uh, go and get this, you know, API endpoint. And if it either the browser fails or it times out or whatever, oh, that, actually, that was another one is timeouts. If it fails, um, then the library or some of your logic can say, oh, we got back a bad error. Let's try again one more time or two more times. And if you keep getting errors, eventually you can have, uh, what is it, like progressively longer retries? Or until eventually you say, okay, after we've tried, after we've tried again like ten times, we'll just accept that the server must be down, right? So they refer to that as exponential backoff, and that's how you end up not DDoSing a backend. Yeah, with retries. Thanks, thanks for looking that up. That was quick. I know I that. Know. Oh, I failed an See, interview was, on a question around that. So that was that was caching. That was caching. I I cached that. That was that was meat space caching. Oh, oh. <laughs> meat space caching in your brain. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'll run. Okay. I'm just gonna run through the rest of these real quick, and then you guys okay. can get on to some of the libraries. 
because I, I, I can I feel like this is just pulling teeth. Okay. <laughs> uh, something else to look out for. Uh, something else to look out for is like timeouts. There's occasions where you may want to avoid very very long waits. So you can say, I want you to go and get this resource, and I'm going to give you a maximum of three seconds. And if it takes longer than three seconds, then just cancel the request, and we'll have some sort of error handler in that case. Um, which takes us to error handling. You probably like some libraries have a better system for error handling. Um, others, not so much, but definitely when you're making requests, you want to pay attention to what happens if the error fails. There's some cool tools out there that you can make like fake HTTP requests to, and then you can have it automatically fail so that you can um, test what your application works like in failed states. So don't just test for the happy path. And then, um, there was one other thing that I just wanted to kind of mention, which is this new HTTP, HTTP header called stale while revalidate, which sounds Ooh, super right. interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's basically you can uh, tell the browser or the backend um, that given a certain amount of time since the previous request, uh, if if not enough time has happened, just respond with exactly the same thing that we had, or like just don't even bother making the request. And if it's been within like a, a sort of medium amount of time, it can go and get the request, or it can use it can use like the cache version of the request, and then behind the scenes kind of like update the cache so the next time it's made, it gets the new version, and then after. Uh, a maximum amount of time. It just says, cool, we have like a stale version of the data. Just go and get me the latest version and, and give me that. So That's interesting. We can, like I, the, the naming around that is is kind of confusing. I'll, I'll, I'll have to read up on how it actually works. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. We've got a couple links to share, so those will be in the show notes. That's just, that's really probably on like the more advanced level if if you're listening and you think all this other stuff is boring that's probably something to pay attention to yeah. um cool yeah i don't think i don't think i would recommend that sort of reading to people just getting started with fetch yeah if you're just getting started with fetch a lot of this is probably just massively overkill just use fetch <laughs> yeah just be you know don't worry about it <laughs> um cool let's get into libraries yeah yeah. So jQuery apparently uh, exposes an Ajax uh, request API. Yeah. yeah. If you're using jQuery, that was like the original library that made things really easy for the web. So, and I think their Ajax method was very nice, much nicer than making XHR requests. Yeah, so this this is the first way I ever made a request over the internet was using uh, jQuery's Ajax method. So I don't want to go back there. Uh, and then we've got Axios. Uh, people people really wow wow they really like Axios. Uh, it's deprecated. Stop using it. Stop using it. <laughs> stop. Just stop. Stop using it. Yeah. Um, so like I I say it's deprecated. Using it in the browser is is not a great choice because you're bundling a whole lot of code that duplicates something that is implemented um, in, in a more compliant way. Um, Axios, from what I can tell, is not what WG compliant, what WIG 
What? Working group. <laughs> Compliant. What um, working group? What? Working group? <laughs> uh, uh, such a stupid joke. But there are, <laughs> there are uh, what working group compliant uh, fetch libraries that work yeah. in Node uh, and the browser. So cross fetch and isomorphic fetch both are built to work in Node and the browser so that you can build something across that bridge. Uh, node fetch is, I believe, also uh, just a. Uh, I think what? it's the polyfill. Is it the node fetch? Is the polyfill? No, node fetch node is fetch. built to be fetch in node. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we've got then we've got the new kid, and I've never used this thing. We got this thing called Got. <laughs> we got Got. I've never used it, but I'm so hyped about it. <laughs> it makes it so easy Classic. to be excited. Classic Grant, so on brand. <laughs> yeah, this thing I know nothing about. Go use forming, it. <laughs> forming strong opinions about things I've never tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know, AJ. What are you using? Mostly. I guess fetch. It's whatever's in the front end library. I'm using AJ's using because... carrier pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> So would you say use fetch? Fetch. Yeah. Now, are you are you just like when you need to make an API request, are you just going straight for fetch, or are you creating some sort of like library or module within your uh, application that kind of um, brings a little bit of the boilerplate into like more of a I don't know minimal thing because. If you're using fetch and you want to, for example, send cookies with your request, which is the way that people, a lot of people will make authenticated requests, then when you're using just plain fetch, like you have to explicitly add the, uh, what is it? Credentials include flag yeah. as part of the options. Are you doing yeah. that? Or do you have like a little wrapper around fetch? A wrapper, because right? I'm, Strictly making Angular stuff now, so being oh, an yeah, Angular don't space. You, yeah, don't you like uh, you feed Angular like a, a config for an instantiated what uh, what are those things in Angular? Exactly. So it takes in some parameters for um, mm. you know options and things, and it can be smart about you know taking those in and setting the right parameter headers and all of that. So I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely the way to do it. Fetch is awesome, but I don't think if you're if you're writing fetch requests from scratch, I think there's some opportunities to make your life better by like just I don't know, make a I don't even know how you describe it. Make a module that kind of encapsulates the things that you need. Oh, this is yeah. this is so wild. So, uh, speaking of like, would you write a wrapper or would you write your own library? Um, of course, Purcell uh, has has now written a fetch library. Um, and and to be, to be totally fair, like most of what these people do, these are the authors of Next uh, Next JS, the meta framework around React. Um, they they do very very good work. 
but as soon as I saw this in the doc, I'm like, oh, of course they did this. Of course they did this. They're the ones that are like, but I can do it better. They kind of, they kind of do. So like, I can't fault them there. But it's like, wow, what else are they going to be doing here? But it's, some of this stuff is like really nice. So it's, it's, it's called Swir. Um, <laughs> it's uh, stale. It's stale while revalidate. It's swir- it, Are you serious? Yeah, so they so stale while stale while revalidate is a is a a new HTTP header that we discussed earlier for yeah. um, keeping stuff uh, fresh, like essentially avoiding unnecessary API calls and keeping stuff fresh. And this library, I think, was either inspired by it or vice versa. Um, but yeah, the library is SWR, but it's yeah, derived from stale while revalidate. I believe it's pronounced swir, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so like, all right, uh, I, I do want to put something out there that if you are using a library like swir, or, and, and we haven't gotten into uh, GraphQL, what it is. We, prob- we probably shouldn't. Like, let's, let's skip GraphQL entirely, all those libraries. Uh, but swir and Apollo, they have caching built in. In specific ways, and so I, I want I want to warn people. Um, they can create some very confusing scenarios when they're accessing cache and not actually making requests, um, because sometimes it is unclear what is changing that behavior, um, and and so it can make for a, 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 a bad day, which I've I've had a few of those uh, with Apollo. Now, Swir maybe maybe a little bit clearer about that. But I, I'll, I'll have to look. Would you more. would you say you would you say you swear by that advice? Oh, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Just use fetch. Just <laughs> use fetch. I mean, use fetch under some sort of wrapper or with a library, right? I would agree with that. I I yeah. think um, when you get into a situation where you are making requests a, across a complex application, like you you need to probably write your own wrapper that just passes the appropriate configuration that you're using. Um, and if it gets really wild or you're doing something stupid like GraphQL, um, yeah, re- reaching for a library in those scenarios makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I guess something else that we didn't talk about in the features to be aware of is like, I guess this might be just thinking about this when you build it into your app or some libraries that actually account for this is also the status of a request because those are not instant. And so we talked about what happens when you have an error during a request for data, but then there's also other other statuses, right? There's like uh, a request has has not yet been made. And so you're not quite in an error state. You're not in a pending state and you don't have, you don't already have data. You're like before the request is made. Then you have a state where you've made the request and you're kind of waiting for it to return with some sort of response. Um, and that's going to be uh, like a pending state. Um, and then you're going to, after a pending state, you're either going to have an error state or a success state. So you either have some information about an error that was returned or you're going to um, have data to work with. You know, you know what that sounds like? That sounds that sounds an awful lot like a promise. 
<laughs> it sounds um, it, 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 yeah. like that that flow fits very well into into promises, which is probably why it took until you know as recently as it did um, for for all of these request wrappers and, and libraries um, to mature to what they are. Um, and, and be like super useful is we needed native promises to make writing these uh, much easier instead of them being callback hell under the hood or whatever they were previously. Yeah. You know, I, I will say one thing I did like about the, the jQuery XHR thing is it did make it pretty simple to have an explicit handler for error states and an explicit handler for success states. And like retries and and some things like that, but okay, I don't use it. Yeah. Anyway, we are. Um, I think we're pretty much at the end of the show. We can wrap it up. I did want to kind of talk about GraphQL a bit, and I think we should have a whole. Should don't we have yeah. a GraphQL show? Uh, we might, but it's I just I I want to I want to go into it just a bit because I think that this is kind of like a very similar subject that people are going to hear about. And we don't have to go into too much detail, but GraphQL is essentially um, a standard for making API requests. And under the hood, it's still using um, HTTP requests. Um, so some GraphQL libraries are probably still using fetch. Um, but the, for, the standard for GraphQL is more around how you construct the... Uh, body of the request. So uh, if I'm not wrong, GraphQL never makes get requests, right? Uh, GraphQL never right. makes get requests. It uses everything with a post request. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It always uses nope. a post request and it always sends a body that's formatted in a specific way to, to tell GraphQL, uh, a GraphQL server, um, hey, this is the data that I want. And this is like the action that I want to perform. You can make GraphQL requests with uh, with fetch, uh, it yes, it requires you to do some kind of pre-formatting of your uh, of the JSON body you're sending, but it's totally totally doable. Um, a lot of the nice to haves in the GraphQL libraries that that are used um, are around constructing requests in nice little bits and pieces, uh, and uh, basically like passing variables. It it's useful, in my opinion, to, to use something like Apollo. There are some gotchas. There's another library called Relay. This is straight from Facebook. Uh, the GraphQL spec is is uh, was provided and released by Facebook. This is something that was created to solve problems that they have. It's to solve big, complex uh, data problems. So they wanted to solve overfetching. They wanted to solve. Um, other issues that they had with like their massive complex UIs that they have to construct and deal with all the time. Um, there's also a library called React GraphQL, which I've seen growing in popularity, which I think is like a really simple alternative to some of the deeper features that come from Apollo, which I actually just recently was reminded, I knew this, but I was recently reminded, uh, Apollo comes from the same team that was building Meteor. Do you guys remember that yeah. that framework? Yeah. That and so like I worked in Meteor when I first started my career as a developer, and it was like wild and super cool. Um, 
I, I enjoyed it and I thought it was really neat that you could build like this uh, this kind of mono repo with you know kind of a a single framework it, it let you do yeah, a like lot everything you need yeah. yeah uh yeah they pivoted and they're like we're just gonna do apollo i, I didn't realize it was the same people um but that that actually explains a lot of how apollo works uh with with like caching and, and some of uh the the methods that they use and and uh i, I would assume um they've they've really just kind of carved it out to be used publicly that way it's it's that was just like a wild realization that i had the other day Another, just like to, to touch on those, since you're talking about React things a bit, I think uh, another recommendation that I've heard uh, shines is React Query. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to use that, but it's supposed to be that awesome. Maybe what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, it is. It's React. Query. It's cool. not React Graph at all. It's React Query. You're right. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Can we end on one last note that the that we had in no. a question in the chat uh, no. around cores, cores, no. baby? We got we can't have a talk about HTTP requests without talking about cores. So we're gonna we're of gonna cores. debug a cores error live on the show for the next forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Allow AJ, what do you, what you got on cores? Come on, let's hear. Cores is the worst part of the internet. Hmm. So pretty much. Yep. Cores error is where you try to do a request and the server base says, nope, it doesn't give you anything. <laughs> uh, so this is a lot like a cores error right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah, this is this is the this is the communication form of a cores error. Well played, Adrian. Um, well played. Yeah, yeah so meta. Um, so it, it is, I mean, you're right, but there's a critical thing there, which is that it's when you're requesting from one origin to another, right? Because it, it stands for cross origin resource sharing, which is also not super explicit on what that means. Um, but yeah, it's like if I am on domain a and I want to make a request to get an API on domain B, uh, domain B basically has to explicitly say that domain a is allowed to make that request otherwise browsers like nah cores and i think that's what the options like the options header has something to do with that too I think yeah maybe. like we <laughs> yeah it, yeah so yeah cores cores should really be called just core uh not cross-origin resource sharing cross-origin resource restrictions because that's really what it is. Yeah. It's it's yeah. to restrict any cross-origin requests uh, from from getting at your data. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, you so have that... to explicitly like allow list um, the origin. Which if your origin is localhost, which it is, if you're like developing locally, uh, this creates a a whole bunch of problems, right? Like you you shouldn't be able to make requests against any like live servers on the internet that don't have. Uh, some other like deep protections in place, um, like so. You, so you probably need your backend to be set up to allow requests from local hosts, or just allow origin star uh, YOLO it. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically like the browser has built-in um, sandboxing to make things uh, safer. 
one of them is like this course issue. If it doesn't see that the resource or like API server is not explicitly saying, yes, I allow this, your domain to request it, the browser is going to be like, no, we're not allowed. It's not even going to make the request. Um, so if you are a front-end developer and you run into these errors that are basically, uh, I forget I forget what it says, but you'll know. It'll be a core's error. <laughs> um, then the only thing you can really do is talk to whoever's in charge of that server and ask them to allow requests from the domain that you control. So if that's localhost because you're developing locally, that's a kind of tough. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, you really don't have much you can do. I think there used to be a service called Cores Anywhere that you could you could make requests to Cores Anywhere and then forward and it would forward the request, but from its server to another server and it basically like bypassed the browser's security. Um, but you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds like a disaster. That, yeah, that could basically be <laughs> intercepted at any point and like give you, I mean, yeah, you just don't want to rely on a third party for like sensitive information. Cool. Anyone have any last thoughts on HTTP requests? I bet you I, can guess I my just last thought thought. of one. Oh, sorry. Oh, let's hear it. Use fetch. <laughs> he totally beat you to it. I'm nice. so happy. I love I'm so it. happy right now. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's just pretty I, good. I I inceptioned that thought. <laughs> <laughs> I reached yeah. inside your mind. Cool. It was, well, it was uh, not subtle. That was that was. Just use fetch. It's fine. Hey, do we got any shoutouts? Oh shoot! I almost forgot about shoutouts. I was about to end the show. Don't do that. We gotta do shoutouts. Yeah, yeah. Let's do some real quick. Uh, you're up since you're so excited about it. Okay. Uh, uh, <clears throat> so um, I've I've had shoutouts that are like cycling related, um, and I I I want to do a shoutout that's somehow kind of related but a little bit different, um, and just general uh, toe hitches, right? So like the little little square receiver you see on the back of trucks and some people hang inappropriate body parts from it right like that that thing uh so so you can get you can get one of these for like you know and sometimes they're a couple hundred bucks but like you can you can get these for basically like any car and you can attach it and what you can then do is attach like a nice bike rack to the back of your car and then it's like this detachable thing that's easy to get on and off oh Toe hitches. So good. Nice. Cool. I don't think we can swing that with our 2005 Honda Civic hybrid. Absolutely. I mean, we could, we could put the toe hitch on it, but... Yeah. You know, You're not going to tow anything. We could maybe tow one of those little red uh, wagons. <laughs> uh, AJ, you got a, something you want to yes. give a shout out to? I got a big one. That's professional movers. So if you ever have to move, stop doing it with yourself and pizza. 
and get real pros who know how I mean, to do things. Yeah, you can still get the pizza. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just have the pros doing the moving and I'll keep the pizza. Mm-hmm. Don't take away my pizza, AJ. No, never. Cool. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to, ooh, this cartoonist called Sarah Anderson. She does a comic called Sarah Scribbles. It's hilarious. Uh, always, always good stuff in there. So check it out. Awesome. Well, with that, thank you all for coming on the show and chatting. And thank you listeners for hanging out. hope you enjoyed it. Um, until next time. Bye. See you in back in meat space. <laughs> awesome. All right. I think it's just me out here by myself in meat space. <laughs>